Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Is that Mickey Mantle behind you? It is. This is my um this is my dad's letting me borrow his office when I get a chance to do the show just because obviously it's all sports right. related in the background. Three, two, one. This is Field Day with Katie Black. Welcome to Field Day with Katie Black. I'm honored today I have with me... Colin Branch. (laughs) What up, Colin? How are you doing today? I'm good. I appreciate you having me on today. Yes, thank you so much for joining. Behind the scenes, there was a little bit of some audio issues, you guys. So I'm so... I'm more thankful than ever that we can hear each other. But, um... So first off, I did, you know, a little little research on you and I'm big about birthdays. And so I understand that you're a Pisces. Is that correct? <laughs> I am. Good research. Yep. Any thoughts on astrology or being a Pisces or any of that talk? I couldn't tell you the first thing about what a Pisces is. <laughs> <laughs> I know I am one, but what that means is news to me uh any insight that you have uh i'll take so funny you should ask i don't know how much (laughs) i don't want to take (laughs) up the whole interview with astrology but essentially what i know is definitely water sign and i mean everyone could say that there's a touch of you know psychic ability but i feel like with water signs there's a little bit extra so i don't know if you have any like sensory gifts or any of that, or maybe like deja vu. I don't know what you categorize as deja vu or something like that. Well, I can tell you that even though I can swim, I sink like a stone. Really? And my kids always laugh because I can't float. I, 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 I've tried floating. I'm almost 43 years old and I cannot float to save my life. And they laugh and laugh. I was like, you know what? If we are ever stuck... <laughs> in a big lake around the ocean and it's like, I will be the first one to go. As far as the, <laughs> and anything extra, anything extra sensory. I don't know. Um, I'd have to think about that one. Um, I don't consider myself to have any sort of, uh, extra sensory perception or anything like that, but maybe that's something, uh, I should look into <laughs> as I get older. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Um, and then also to big in, and again, I'm sure people say this and they're like, any sign could fall under this category, but like really um, big into musical, maybe Broadway's, any, some type of music connection, true? I, I actually, when I was young, I mean like elementary school age, I did, I played, I played the cello and I sung in a choir. Like oh, wow. through the school and in the whole bit. Uh, thank God there's no videotapes and recordings of that stuff nowadays. But yeah, I actually, I used to have a good voice. And then, you know, obviously, you know, playing sports and just, that was where the bulk of my time went. I uh, really didn't have the time, the opportunity to develop that any further. But I did like playing the cello, did like singing in the choir, at least for the very cool years I actually did. That's a fun fact. Do you, do you feel like, I mean, and I, on my other program, I talked to um, musicians. Do you feel like that's like, you said you kind of like lost your voice. Do you feel like that's something that like musicians, like you literally have to like 
protect and like keep up with, I guess. I think it's just like any other talent and you've got to nurture it. You've got to mm-hmm. work hard at it. it. It's not something, obviously there's people with different talent abilities and gifts. You know, not everybody can sing like Whitney Houston can sing, you know, but you know, you can, uh, you can work at it and be a very, very good musician, whether it's vocally or with an instrument, just through hard work and effort and all those other things. Just like, you know, we would do in sports on the field. Um, you can have a lot of talent and it just never materialize into anything if you don't work hard. So, yeah, I, I absolutely do think if that was something I kind of poured my energy into, uh, I could have been. Good at that as well. Very interesting. Yeah, very cool. (laughs) So I always ask my guests, where were you born slash where did you grow up? So I, not that we were, we definitely weren't gypsies, but so uh, my parents are actually originally from born and raised in North Carolina. Not where I grew up though. Uh, My dad Grew up in a small little North Carolina t- town called Severin. So my grandparents, they were sharecroppers. I mean, it's, you know, kind of up past Raleigh. Uh, they raised a lot of, grow a lot of peanuts up in that area now. And then my mom was born and raised in Winston-Salem. And they met at NC Central, you know, way back when. But then me and my two older brothers, we were all born in different states. Uh, so my oldest brother was born in Kentucky. My middle brother was born in Pennsylvania and I was born in Ohio. Oh, wow. so I was actually born in Cincinnati. And people always ask me if I'm, if I'm an Ohio state fan and I'm not, but yeah, but if they're playing, I don't have a, a dog in the fight. I'll root for uh, Ohio state. every now. But even though I was born in Ohio, we spent some time in New York. So I love the Yankees. I see, you know, your Mickey Mantle uh, poster in the background. I've actually got a New York Yankees uh, poster right above me as well, signed by Joe DiMaggio. So I'm a huge Yankee fan. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Love the Yankees. So we spent a little bit of time up in New York. And then the bulk of my childhood was in Houston, Texas. Spent about a decade there from when I was about five until I was about 14, until I started high school. And then we moved to San Diego, uh, California. And that's where I went to high school and then eventually went to college in California as well. Wow, very cool. Do you have like a favorite place that you experienced if you had to pick? Oh, San Diego. It's not even close. San Diego, I mean, just beyond, you know, the weather and everything like that, it's such a laid back, kind of chill town, community, county, uh, very different than the rest of Southern California. Mm -hmm. Just like all of California, it's a big melting pot. But something about San Diego, it's a little more, it's way more laid back. Um, We were in a beach community called Carlsbad. And still talk to a number of friends I had back then, even though I'm on the East Coast now. Uh, it's just, it's a great place if you can afford to live there. Not that most, I don't, I, most people probably can't afford to live there, but they still live there anyway. True. 
it's hard to leave. That's what that's what I hear. I mean, I've I visited California, but not specifically that area. So that's that's what I understand. So getting into your, you know, obviously an athlete, I always ask, like, at which point in your life did you discover a love for it or that you were good at it or that you wanted to do that? Yeah, I. Well, it's a it's a good question. I don't know that the like the drive for it developed until later, but when I was a kid, you know, my parents just signed me up kind of for everything. So fall I play soccer, and the winter I play basketball, and the spring I play baseball, t ball, and then during the summer, I mean, you know, both my parents, you know, were working either full time or part time. So during the summer, then, you know, mom would just put us in some sort of camps or we would do swim team. I wasn't very good at swimming, but still, <laughs> still had to do, you know, like swim team or tennis or, you know, whatever camp, you know, just to you know, keep us keep us going. And that's that's what we did. You know, I found I was you know somewhat athletic, uh, usually a little bit more athletic than most kids, which is fine. And. It was probably actually. I'll, I'll, I'll tell a quick story. Yeah. So, I guess sports where you just had to run, you know, shoot a ball, kick a ball, I was fine. But baseball, and baseballs, even though I played professional football, baseball's always been my favorite sport. Always been my favorite sport. But I, it was the sport that I was the worst at when I was young. So, like, I was the kid on the t-ball team that couldn't even hit the ball off the tee. I was, I was that, I was that bad. So, anytime you go to a t-ball field, don't laugh at that kid. I was that kid. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember my dad asking me. So we finished the first t-ball season, and then the next season playing t-ball again. He's like, "Do you do you want to play?" And I was like, "Yeah, I still want to play." I think he was more asking do i really have to keep going out to baseball games and watching my six-year-old son strike out <laughs> playing playing t-ball i was like no no, no i still want to play and i just i really just like going out and hanging out with my friends that was really the only reason i like playing well then after you know and i was still really bad <clears throat> and then i don't know what it was the next year we had to play machine pitch so obviously now you know balls coming coming at you. It's not just sitting on the tee. And I don't know if it's it was part just maybe my body kind of caught up with itself a little bit when I started t ball. All of a sudden, I don't know coordination somehow kind of got going and kind of came to me. And I don't know, maybe it was just goofing off with my brothers a little bit more too you know, trying to throw a ball, trying to hit a ball, trying to keep up with them. I ended up having a little bit better year. I was actually able to hit a ball. And then the next year, I guess, so I was eight. I ended up the MVP of my team. I ended up batting, I don't know, like 750 or something like that year. I had like nine home runs. It, it was kind of a, it, it was neat for me because I played really well. But it was kind of at that point when athletically things kind of started to click a little bit better and understanding 
kind of what's going on and how to do it and learning some of the fundamentals. But more importantly, it was really just when I was really young, even though I wasn't good, was just kind of staying involved mm-hmm. and having fun doing it. Because at a certain point, you know, you, you, you know, kids can, you know, start to put the pieces together. And for me, it just, you know, it happened maybe a little bit later than other kids. But once I got it, I really got it. And at that point, we were living in Houston. And the kids that I went to school with, again, I I don't know that we were any more athletic or talented than anybody else, but we had a really good baseball team. And so locally, kind of in that area, uh, myself, uh, you know the name Adam LaRoche? He played baseball for the Atlanta Braves. Okay. Okay. Yes. So he now that you said the he, name in that background. Yeah. I know who you're talking about now. So I was really good friends with him. We played together. Uh, you know, his dad had a nice property. We'd go back there. He had a whole batting cage and him and his brothers. Um, you know, we all just goofed around with each other and, you know, sleepovers and riding bikes and, and the whole bit, you know, it wasn't rural, rural, but, you know, we were in suburbs and, you, know, you kind of just go do whatever you wanted to do <laughs> after school. Uh, another kid on our team that played professional baseball, um, Chris George, he, he played for the Royals for a little bit. He was a pitcher. Um, so in a couple guys, you know, they, they played, they played in college. I ended up playing college football, but somehow we all just kind of congregated together. I don't, I don't know if it was just we were lucky. I think part of it was we, were, we just got lucky beating each other. We had good coaches. Uh, matter of fact, oh, who was it? For like a year. Oh, man. Uh, he's a professional baseball player. And he had a younger son. He ended up actually being like our batting coach for a year. It was uh, the name will come to me in a minute. I, I tend to forget no but then, uh, like Chuck Knobloch's, uh not his manager, but a good friend of his was also one of our coaches, a guy named Butch Gootsman, who I'm still friends with today. And, you know, he's, he's got a great family and played with, you know, his sons, you know, during the whole time. So we just, we ended up just having a really good baseball team. So that's cra- uh, like, what age range is this? Is this like middle school, high school? Like- this is middle school up until, and I ended up moving right before high school. So um, our eighth grade year, we ended up going to the AAU World Series. We qualified for it. Actually, we didn't play in it because we were hosting another, like, it was like double ABC World Series, which we ended up losing and we got second place. We were little ticked off about that one mm-hmm. but then the next year after i actually moved we actually played they, the same team played in the aau world series and they won it they actually won it two years in a row it was pretty outstanding yeah, yeah. so it is it is just that's crazy a, that kind a, of a, seems a like a place to play. <laughs> it was a great place to grow up in in, in houston and we had you know phenomenal friends and you know luck of the draw we just ended up being really good at baseball so 
loved baseball. And then when I moved out to California, I guess that, that was, you know, in, in regards to your question about, you know, love of the game. I think that's kind of how I developed a little bit of, a, you know, I guess a passion for sports just because I had good friends around me. We had coaches and parents who cared about us. I know it wasn't cheap or easy for, you know, parents to get us to all those games. I think one summer we tallied it up. We played something like 72 baseball games in a summer. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of baseball. It was a lot of games. This is 93, 94 or so. So it was a lot of baseball. But, I mean, we enjoyed it, and I think our parents enjoyed watching us as well. So oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'll take it. So I, I, that's, And now my parents live five minutes from me, you know, here in North Carolina. So that's I nice. tell them all the time, you know, thanks for taking the time. <laughs> Shuffle me around to, to all that stuff. No, that's awesome. So essentially, was it almost like when you go out to California, did it transition from baseball to football? Well, I, I still played both, but then, you know, then I'm playing like high school baseball, high school football. And I I don't know, one, the caliber of baseball wasn't quite the same at the, you know, at the high school I ended up going to in Carlsbad as it would have been back in Houston. But I still loved baseball. But once football became a little bit more of a reality and more of a I guess a priority as far as my future went. And then football started to, I guess, eclipse, you know, baseball, probably my junior year of high school. And then, you know, obviously then my you know, senior year was, well, what do you want to do? And, you know, I chose football and actually did not play baseball my senior year. Just, since I'd already, you know, got football scholarship and was on my way to Stanford University, I just figured, you know, devote my time to developing that. But that, that was probably the wrong decision to make. I, I, I should have kept playing. Really? Yeah, I, I should have played. And, and even when I got to college, because you only had one crack at it, I probably should have tried to walk on to the baseball team and play. Oh. And a couple, guys, a couple guys on the football team did. Whether they played it or not, they still walked on and right. just got the experience. Interesting. Yeah, because I always am like analyzing no matter who I'm talking to or even like maybe myself sometimes. I'm like, you know, like which path do I take? And then looking back, like, did I do the right one? So it's interesting. Is it just because like you just had so much love and passion for baseball as opposed to football? Yeah, I think and, and part of it was I think baseball was so much harder just from a like a strategic and almost like a tactical standpoint. Like baseball, it's 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 so there's like just there's little itty bitty things that you have to do. I mean, even with just, you know, the from the way you hold the bat, you know, making sure you know you don't roll your wrist. I mean, there's there's all these little details in baseball. You know, call it, you know, they can always call it the thinking man's game. And Something about that just it. I, I, I just really liked it. You know, football. You still have to think a lot, but it's you're thinking at a much much faster pace, and it's it's 
physically tougher, which is, I think, what drew me to that. Like it, like with with football, something about physically making your body do something that's really not natural is fun to me. <laughs> I think that that that's why I did like. That's why I still love it because to me, I mean, there's really no other sport, at least you know, that's popular, you know, in, in America that, you know, you can, you have the ability to just kind of physically change your body and overcome whatever's in front of you just through kind of sheer will and determination, totally. which is, you know, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Very cool perspective. So what was going into college? What was, you know, playing football in college, like at Stanford? It's, it's different than high school. And I try to tell high school kids that as well. Like, you know, high school football is probably as pure as you're going to get as far as just being able to play the game without politics and bureaucracy and this that and the other and you know once you get beyond high school then it, it, it does become you really do see it becomes more of a business mm, mm-hmm. and so when you get to college initially you're not like that's not how you think but you understand it pretty quickly or at least you should I mean because one I mean obviously college coaches and universities you know especially when it comes to football and basketball and the, you know, men's and women's basketball. And those are revenue generating sports. They've got to generate revenue. It's a, it's a real business mm-hmm. and it's your coach's livelihood as well. So, you know, there's certain, you know, responsibilities that come along with that, but it's still just a game as well. So you have to keep that in mind. Uh, I guess one of the, the main things that I always took to heart, and I actually got this from my head coach, Tyron Willingham, was you know to enjoy the work it takes to be great. So not just the game, but all the work it takes, all the work that you have to put into being great is what you should actually enjoy the most. And so that's really what I took and kind of held on to. Because not everything is going to go your way. You know, case in point, you know, you get to get, you know, I got to college, you know, beyond just the academic part, which was difficult as well. You know, your, your body's not fully developed. You're not the player that you're going to be when you leave. I think I got to college. I played my senior year of high school at 165-ish pounds. By the time I left Stanford, I was 205 pounds. And I went from, I remember running a 4-6-8 40-yard dash my freshman year of college. My 40-yard dash when I ran it at the NFL Combine, I ran a 4-3-9. So, so, you know, you can, you're, you're going to, you're going to grow up, I guess, is really what's going to happen in college. Now, there's a lot that goes into that. So when I get there, you know, I redshirt. <clears throat> so when you redshirt, coaches really, they're not, they don't pay attention to you, but you can still, 
you can still make you can still make them take notice of you. But I guess just to stop you there, that's kind of crazy to me that a coach wouldn't give you kind of the time of day, essentially, is what you're saying at first. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, they're they're putting together a roster, a team that's going to compete that year. So if you're not part of that plan, if you're a freshman, you're not going to play, then it's all right, you're going to redshirt and you're just going to be on essentially like the practice squad. Like you're just going to help the main guys who are actually playing in the game get ready. So, I mean, that that's that's your job. So in doing that, like that was my time to compete. Mm, okay. So, I mean, that's when you've got to grow up and you're always going against first team like offense. So I'm playing defense. You're always going against like first team offense. So it's actually a really good, you're in a really good position day in and day out to play against guys who are bigger, faster, stronger, and are actually playing against, you know, top tier talent. Mm -hmm. And you're practicing against them and giving, trying to give them the best look, you know, day in and day out. That actually helped me get I think better quicker and actually get tougher quicker because they really don't care. They're going to try to beat you up as much as possible. You know, so that was number one. And that's, that to me is kind of what by the end of the season coaches began to take notice and then going into the next year, you know, still a younger guy, you know, older people ahead of me, <clears throat> even though I think I'm, more talented doesn't matter what i think you still have to go out and prove it and then you know it's it, it's still you know what chances do you have you know during spring bowl and during you know camp to actually seize on those opportunities and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't you know that next year i guess i didn't do enough and so i'm still a backup i play special teams then my sophomore year, I think I've got a chance. You know, the senior guy, he graduates. So I think I've got a chance. There's a couple guys that are still older than me. But, you know, frankly, I thought I was a better player. But, <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's still up to the coaches at that point. And, and a lot of times, again, it's their jobs on the line. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you may be more talented, but do you have are you making as many mistakes as are you, are you still making the same mistakes, mental mistakes, busted assignments, things like that. So that's where kind of the metal meets the road, you know, not only just knowing the playbook, but actually executing, making sure you're in the right spot, you know, so on and so forth. So my sophomore year, I guess I didn't do that good enough. And I was still a backup. <clears throat> and I remember that year, we ended up going five and six. And I made a number of plays on special teams that year. And, you know, I had still, you know, got in on, you know, certain packages, you know, what whatnot on, on defense. But, you know, it, it still wasn't enough to kind of crack the starting lineup mm -hmm. on a regular basis. And then my junior year, then it finally happened, you know. Now I'm starting playing, playing well, you know, the whole bit. But, you know, essentially for three, and I was a fifth-year senior, so for three years, you know, I'm a backup. You know, it's not something that 
you know, most athletes who kind of get to the collegiate level deal with when they're younger because they're typically the better players on the team and they're typically always playing. And I, I guess that's one thing that mentally you have to be prepared for is if, you know, it could be for a lot of things, it could be injury, it could be this, that, the other, maybe you just don't get along with coaches. You know, you've got to be prepared to just control what you can control. And, I, and I've heard it from um, there's another guy here in town. Uh, you may know Steve Israel, play corner, play, you know, play for the 49ers. And, you know, he tells his story. I mean, he had a he had a rough time in college, you know, but still ended up being a first or second round pick and had a long career in the NFL. But, you know, just because things aren't going right today doesn't mean that things can't turn around tomorrow. So you just kind of have to keep your head down, control what you can control and push forward. Well, it sounds kind of too, even just talking to you now, maybe like all of that stuff in college was just like your own personal, even if it was like a mental like boot camp. No, it is. <laughs> Seems like a really long boot camp <laughs> sometimes. But yeah, I, you know, and, and you know, things work out as they as they do work out. I mean, that's just kind of one of the things that I trusted at that point that things would work out the way that they were going to and if not you know you can you know there's there's lots of things that you, you can do it's it's not it wasn't just about playing in the nfl even though that's i think what i certainly wanted to do i didn't know if that was a reality until probably after my junior year of college and then i finally i think believed enough like okay playing in the nfl is a possibility but even if it wasn't you know there was you know I think at that point in my life, because I'd, I'd actually gone to, even though I went to Stanford, one of the, I guess, really the, the other place that I had thought about going was actually the Naval Academy. Oh, wow. Even though I can't swim. <laughs> Join the Navy, even though you, even though you can't swim. But I, I, I always loved, you know, the guy that would, you know, come to our school and do the recruiting for, for Navy. I, I loved his pitch and something about going to the Naval Academy, coming out, being an officer, and then just having, you know, kind of the world ahead of you, whatever you want to do, always just seemed really cool to me. So I, actually, if I had not gotten drafted, I think that's probably the route that I would have gone is probably into the military at that point. Very cool. I had no idea what else I wanted to do. I was like, yeah, I want to go to grad school in the traditional sense. So, and I always ask athletes that I've talked to thus far that, you know, you talked about like, you know, your senior year, you kind of realize, okay, I could really do the NFL, the NFL path. So did you have anyone be, you know, like a mentor or be like, we're going to do this? Like you're like, how does that transition from, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it was definitely my, my, uh, my oldest brother, Calvin. So he played, so I'm at Stanford. He's, he was actually uh, with the Oakland Raiders at that point in time. So he's six years older than me. So he was playing at that time. He played for four years as well. And then when he was done, he, he just transitioned uh, into Oakland's scouting department. And he's still a scout with the 
with the Raiders now. Cool. So he he was always kind of the you know the immediate kind of champion for me and always working with me. So you know we'd work out together and you know he'd give me tips. I mean, so he 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 even told me he's like, all right, you know, after your junior years, like you know, your here's where we have you as far as safeties, you know, for next year's draft. Like he told me immediately, like you're a a top ten safety as far as draft picks goes, like you'll probably be a third or fourth round pick. I was like, I was like, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I mean, I just, I, I didn't know. And, but, you know, after knowing that, then it's like, okay, this is like, we're going to do this. Yeah. This is real. And you, know, you just have to commit to doing it. So I understand you get drafted by the NFL in 03. Is that correct? 2003, yeah. To the Carolina Panthers, what up? I'm wearing an old school. <laughs> that is old school. Panther sweatshirt. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm a big, big Carolina Panthers fan. So I was wondering if, is that the year, the first year that we go to the Super Bowl? Am I, or no? Right? Yes. yes, that's crazy. So literally the first year of your NFL career, you go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that, that was. I mean, it, the, the, I mean, the whole thing was. You know, kind of surreal, you know, like looking back at it, it's like, yeah, that, that doesn't normally happen. Because you go from. You know, you go from college, you know living I, I like I, I tell people the story I was like I was living in a two-bedroom apartment with a couple other guys I'm sleeping on a futon mattress in the living room literally when I get the phone call on you know from my agent saying you know make sure your phone's on you're getting good reception because the Panthers are about to call you and I'm on the west I'm on the west coast and the fourth round of the or second day of the draft had just started so it's, I don't know, it's barely seven o'clock. I'm still sleeping and uh, get a phone call from the Panthers and, you know, Marty Herney's on the line and then John Fox gets on the line and then you know, a couple of reporters and, you know, the whole bit. And then you're here on a Panther and, you know, you're flying out here. And then you go from playing like 12 games back then in college to then playing between preseason the regular season and then making it all the way to the Super Bowl, you played 24 games. That, I mean, the toll that puts on your body mm -hmm. is intense. Is, is it's intense? You're you're tired by the end of the season. Like it's, but it's it's a good tired. But how you got there, I, I I think now I've got a little bit more of an appreciation for what it takes. And matter of fact, I was having this discussion with uh, a couple guys I work with uh, the other day, and they were asking, like, you know, you know, how hard is it to like turn a team around, like in the NFL, and go from, you know, not so good to a really good team? I was like, well, you know, it's it, it, obviously it's difficult, but it's it's not as hard as you think. I was like, really, what you need, I think, what all GMs, you know are going to say is you need draft picks. And when you look at, you know, when, when John Fox came here, 
you know, they went from one in 15 to seven and nine, and then we were in the Super Bowl. And it wasn't like a huge roster turnover, but they drafted well. You know, you draft Steve Smith and Chris Jenkins and Julius Peppers, and you start putting good pieces together. And you've got good veterans. You make some key acquisitions. You don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, had great, you know, had really good quarterbacks, guys who I consider, you know, friends still, you know, like Rodney Pete and Jake Delone. But the fact that you can get to the Super Bowl, you know, and come within inches of of winning it without a Hall of Fame quarterback like a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or, you know, throwing, you know, any quarterback's name is pretty tremendous. And it really was just about building a roster and a and a team that fits together. And then the same thing can go the other. And you can you can still do all of that. And then the next year you go seven and nine again, which is what we did. So it's <clears throat> a lot of things just have to click and you have to get a little lucky, but you're lucky because you're prepared. Mm-hmm. That was the thing, especially like in those first five games of that season, you know, we started off five and zero, and we had a couple of fourth quarter comebacks, last minute wins. You know, we got to eight and three, you know, so it, it just, you know, things worked out well when it came to, I think, the schedule, you know, who we played, kind of when we played them, and then just the way the team was built. It was defense, running the ball. Steven Davis had an all-pro season. to get you know, close to 1,500 yards rushing that year. Um, Deshaun Foster was still, you know, a, a great running back, you know, behind him at that point in time. So things just things worked out well, and it clicked. So the teams that are all coming in, you know, to the playoffs now, I mean, I don't know who's going to win it this year, but one of these teams, things are going to start clicking if they haven't started clicking already. And they're, they're, they're going to be that team that just, when you see them through the weeks in the playoffs, they're going to be the ones that just, it, it, they, they're just going to look like that team a couple of years ago, like Tampa. You know, earlier in the season, you know, that year Tampa won a couple years back. Nobody would have thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, you know, things start clicking. And then all of a sudden, they, they're virtually unbeatable. Defense is playing great. You know, Brady's having, you know, one of his seasons. And they just roll through the playoffs and end up winning the Super Bowl. It's like, that, that's usually what it takes. I mean, that's kind of what happened to us. It just, things clicked. and. The main game that I think that we had the most hesitation about in the playoffs, it wasn't it wasn't Dallas. We knew we were a better team than Dallas. We knew we were a better team than the Eagles, who we played in the NFC Championship game. It was really the Rams. It, it wasn't a great matchup for us. You know, they still had Marshall Falk. They had, you know, two Hall of Fame wide receivers, even though Kurt Warner wasn't there, you know, it was still, I think they were the second seed in the NFC that year. I mean, they were a really good team, but it was just a bad matchup. And that's the one got it to overtime and 
you know, Steve caught the pass and we ended up scoring and winning. That was the one that if, if there was any degree of doubt, it was that game. Like it, that was a tough one. But once we got past that game, <clears throat> beating the Eagles, we, we knew it was, we, we had that one in the bag. And frankly, I thought if we just could have got the overtime <laughs> against the Patriots, we would have won that game too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. To watch that, like, or even, even what you say about the playoffs, all of it was just like unbelievable, like a real game, you know? And just like, oh my gosh, I still have like images of just, I mean, we would just scream. We would just scream, go out into the street and just <laughs> all of them. Cause it was just, I don't, I can't even put it into words <laughs> as a, as a fan. It was just incredible. Um, but it's interesting that you say about the Super Bowl, I guess, specialty sauce or whatever it's almost like what i've studied obviously just from being a fan it just seems to be i feel like a lot of things in life are like a really great recipe and i feel like part of that recipe is just a team being a team i know that sounds corny but right don't you think that's it is and it's, it's 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 hard to do i mean and you can see it this year from the panthers it was kind of night and day between two head coaches and a lot of it is that it's, you know, having the right leadership in place. And this is beyond football, too. It's like, you know, if you have leadership right, GM, head coach, and the staff, putting that winning team together is a whole lot easier than if those first pieces, GM, head coach, coaching staff, are not and you know, are not the right fit. And what it just... What it looked like to me is that Matt Rule over the last couple of years was just, but it doesn't mean he's a bad head coach. Nobody would say Nick Saban is a bad head coach, even though things didn't work out for him in the NFL with the Dolphins. I mean, the guy's obviously probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest college football head coach mm-hmm. in football of, of all time. He, he knows what he's doing, but the fit still has to be right. And, you know, for the Panthers over the last couple of years and beginning of this year, it just, it wasn't the right fit. I think they've found some of the identity that they want now mm-hmm. and probably need, whether they, you know, go with, you know, Steve Wilkes or not is to be seen. So um, we'll see, but, you know, having, having the right leadership is key. Is key. Totally. Yeah. I just feel like I could go on all day, but I guess I just feel like, with the Matt rule, again, obviously, I like to say, like, energy and vibes. But I just felt like, again, through the television or, you know, the random games that I was able to see, and the just the energy was off. The dynamic was off. And like I said, I don't, you know. It's hard to put your thumb on sometimes. And it has, I know everyone's like, oh, we'll just look at the stats of us losing. But, like, for me as a fan, it was more than that. You know, it was just, some yeah, something's off. It is. And, and it, 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 it can be, and all of that kind of trickles down. And, and players still take their their key from the guy leading the ship, which is right. the head coach. Totally. The coaches really have to be, you have to be so in tune with the vibe of your team. And each team year to year can be very, very different. But you're the consistent part to it. So like you're the captain, you yeah. know, because of that, it's like, all right, everybody's still looking to you to write the ship when it's going wrong. 
to keep it going in the right direction when things are going right and being that kind of that solid person that everybody can lean on. And if they, if they, even though we're, we're all grown men, it's like you're still, you're still the guy that everybody's looking up to. Even though you may be 30 something years old and a head coach in the NFL, you might even have some players that are older than you. You're still, you're still the captain. You're still the guy. And I, I, I don't know that every, even though you may be a great coordinator, not everybody is suited for that role in the NFL. And I, you know, you kind of find that after trial and error. Totally. And I guess anyone listening, it's like, you can use this example of like, no matter what industry you're in, there's always like, maybe someone that's like a boss or leader. And you're like, mm, I don't know how that happened. No shade. But like, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what industry, there's always someone that's of higher superiority that that, that like the other, you know, employees are like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, right, right. And sometimes when the when the when things are just going right, you know, industry is everybody's making money, everybody's doing well. You can kind of cover up those flaws, and then things go the other way, like they're going right now across the globe, and you just see mass firings. And now it's it's like, okay, yeah, there is a war for talent, and really the war is. I need people in these positions or I need leadership that can actually help us get through this time because there's actual, there's actual work that has to be done mm -hmm. in order for us to not just survive, but to you know, really excel and thrive even through a turbulent time. And that's, that is, again, that is not easy to find. And, that, and that's, that, that, that's a big, big, issue you know just corporately mm -hmm. and, oh my gosh you know, whether yes. you're with a small business or big business yes. it's it is <laughs> it's a doggy dog out there right now totally well real quick before we um go back to the panthers and what have you so i overheard this that and again this is from like a southerner but that west coast football is different than east coast do you find that is that true or is that kind of laughable or I think it used to be not so much anymore. Okay. So like when I was growing up, there was definitely like West coast, your Bill Walsh kind of West coast offense. You know, you might even throw like the run and shoot type of offense that the Oilers used to run uh, into that category. And then you had kind of the older school East coast, you know, you know, ground and pound, you know, just that, that hard nose type of, offense and defense well now it's it's really all this kind of meshed together mm -hmm. and there's really no difference between this or the other because everybody's really running the same stuff nowadays and i'll tell people all the time there is no new play that any offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator draws up today that is any different than what has always been done mm -hmm. now it's just about really just the mentality. I, I will say this though, the teams that tend to have the most success over a long period of time, just a couple of things, they're really well coached, they're disciplined, meaning 
the amount of fouls they commit are much, much lower than everybody else. And they are really physical. Like the last part being just a physical team and playing fast is really the hallmark of whether it's football or anything else, any sport. You play fast and you play physical, you'll always be good. So the play at that point, whether it's a pass, a run, whether you got four wide receivers or no wide receivers, it, it's it's really all the same. The same. And, and nowadays, it's really just about your personnel. So just like we were just talking about, having the personnel is everything. what all teams are trying to put together. So you can look at a team that, you know, again, you know, some of the better teams that have existed, you know, you may have two really good tight ends. Well, I want both of them on the field as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I've got two really good running backs and D'Angelo Williams and, you know, somebody else is like, well, I need, I want them both. I want them to both get touches. I've got, you know, three really good wide receivers. You'll still run the exact same plays with different personnel. I just need to get the ball to my playmakers. Same thing on defense. It's like, well, one year, I, my personnel may be better suited to blitz a lot, so I'm going to blitz. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I, you know, the next year, my personnel might have matured a little bit, and we've got a really good defensive line, and we, we can get pressure just with that defensive line, so we're just going to play zone. Or we're just going to play man behind it. We're not going to blitz a lot. So your personnel is going to dictate the play call. And the better coaches around the league, I think, know that, and they adapt how they call based on the personnel that they have. Otherwise, if you try to fit people into a mold that they're not suited for, you're going to have a rough time. You can take a pro bowl player and make him really pedestrian by putting him in a position and making them do things that he's not suited to do. So that's, that's the key is put people in a place to be successful. I agree. Going back to the Panthers, what was the other seasons like? Basically, what was the vibe experience like after you know the heartbreaking Super Bowl loss with the Panthers? You know, yeah, frankly, I mean, everybody just thought it was like, all right, well, we can do it again the next year. Now we did have some people retire. We had a couple of guys in the offensive line retire, so our team got younger. And, you know, we lost field of free agency because, you know, you go to the Super Bowl and now everybody wants your best players. So you lose the field of free agency. So we actually got pretty young pretty quick. And then the next season, and, and then we had a bunch of injuries going into that next season. I think we had the most players in the NFL on IR that next year. Yeah. And so, like, I'm starting, you know, Ricky Manning, he's starting. Like, I mean, we have like rookies, you know, like Chris Gamble, he's start. He's a rookie. He's starting, and we. I mean, we struggled. I, I struggled, you know, mightily. I, I mean, I was, I was not playing well the first half of the season, and then things kind of started to click, and we actually almost worked our way back into the playoffs. I think we were seven and eight. If we'd won our last game, we actually would have, we actually would have made the playoffs at eight and eight. We started off one and seven. <laughs> so. You know, to to do that and to work our way back uh, took a lot of effort. But 
after the Super Bowl, it, I mean, I don't think anybody really had any doubt that we couldn't get back into the playoffs and make another run. Everybody was working hard. I think we had a great camp. Just the chips don't always land the way that you want them. Totally. You know, season to season. Well, did you, you know, enjoy the Char- Charlotte? Did you enjoy the fans? Was that overall? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, met tons of great friends, you know, through the organization and out of it. And, you know, certainly made my home here and just live up here in Lake Norman and raised a, a great family. So <laughs> yeah. Carolina made a, an impression on me. Uh, mm-hmm. And matter of fact, since I stayed here, um, I got my parents, obviously, to move close to be near the, the grandkids. So, I mean, it's it's worked out really well uh, being a Carolina Panther. Not a team I ever thought was going to draft me and, and bring me here, but it certainly turned out to be a blessing. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Before I get into post-NFL life, I understand that. So you were here in Carolina from seasons 03 to 06, right? Yep. And then you played season of 2007 with the Raiders. I was there for like a cup of coffee. I got cut in training camp. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then my, my knee was, I mean, it was, it was in bad shape. So, I mean, I was, I was a shell of what I was able to do before. No, I understand. Did you like view that like as a, I don't know, a blessing in disguise that you're like, I'm, I'm ready to make my exit or how did you, how did that experience go? I mean, everybody, you kind of know it's coming, like, I mean, especially when you know you just can't play at that high level anymore, mm-hmm. injury or age, combination of both, you know, whatever it might be. So it's just, you know, you get cut and it's like, oh, you know, like I knew I couldn't play at this level anymore. I was really just trying to hang on. So once once a team just says like, yeah, you know, you're done, <laughs> you know, you're done. Then it's a pretty easy decision to just, all right, let's pack up. Let's go back to Carolina and figure out what to do <laughs> post-football. I understand. Because, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, it sounds like to an extent, and I'm sure a lot of um, individuals experience this where you just feel like you're burnt out, you're exhausted to an extent. It's, it's, it's a, you have a lot of emotions. You're, you are burnt out. You've been doing this for who knows how long. You've been playing a game. You, you haven't had a real job yet. You've mm-hmm. literally been just playing a game mm-hmm. and earning money doing it, which is awesome. You know, you're not behind a desk. You're not shuffling papers around. You're not making calls. You're on the field or in the weight room or on the track. You know, it's that's a great way to to live. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you're yeah, you're done, but there's a lot of you know. Uh, you know, I, I'd probably say every player, doesn't matter who you are, like you're, you're that let down and then not being able to continue playing. Like you're, you're, you're going to have bouts of, you know, depression and things like that. Just that's, that's natural. I mean, you know, if you were a surgeon and then all of a sudden somebody came in and said, you can't be a surgeon anymore, mm-hmm. get your stuff and leave. <laughs> you know, that's going to sting. So, you know, it's just, you know, you have to go through all of those emotions. And, you know, that's, you know, that's a big part of, you know, having good people around you, 
it's not easy. And it's definitely not easy. I mean, it can take take a long time to kind of get back and find any sense of normality once you're done playing. Because frankly, you don't know what's normal at that point in time. Because it's almost you know, sorry. No, I was gonna say it's like not to not to put anybody else's, you know, dirty laundry out there, but you can see it with guys who just seem like they can't retire. A lot of guys, it's just like, well, what am I going to do afterwards? You could be the most successful person on the field and have lots of stuff to do outside of it. But still, it's you like the routine, you like what you do, and then trying to fill the what else in life is going to fill that if I don't have it? Mm-hmm. That's a question. <laughs> Not a lot of people want to ask themselves. Right. Well, and I guess, obviously, I'm not an athlete, but just from my study of it and just obviously learning from the individuals like yourself that I speak with, it's almost like it's a death. Is that fair to say? Very. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if if you've ever had a a pet pass away, like it's, it is like that, like, you know, you had a dog that you've loved for a decade, 11, 12, 13 years, and, it, and you have to put it down. Like, you know, I've had that experience. It hurts. Oh, like, my it, gosh. Yes. It, it's very similar to, mm-hmm. yeah, retiring and being done playing. It's It hurts. Do you feel like you – do you wish that, like, there was some part of somewhere within the NFL loop prepared you guys for this or do you feel like there's just no one could have prepared you guys regardless? No, it's nothing that I think anybody can prepare you for. It's just, it's just that is part of life is we, we, you chose to have this great experience to put in the work, to get to this level of your profession, Mm -hmm. whether it's your professional skier or football or soccer, whatever. And eventually, because it is athletics, you are going to have to give it up or you're going to have to quit or retire. But nobody can actually prepare you for that day that it actually happens. That's 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 not possible. That's just yeah, I understand. <laughs> something that, you know, having a support system you can you can get through and get beyond and keep living. I understand. Well, I always tell my guests, thank you for sharing so far. I appreciate it. So going, coming back to the East coast, what do you do to get into like any type of job or career? It's a good question. Um, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, frankly. And I sat down with some people and just kind of asked them what they did. And, you know, cause you know, at that time now I'm 28, 29 years old. And it's, you know, you have a, just a, a regular career in the NFL. You know, you don't make, you know, millions and millions of dollars. You're just kind of like another guy. So then it's like, okay, well, everybody I graduated with back in college, they've been in their careers for the last five years or whatever, or they're in grad school. So and it's like, what do you do? Do you go back to grad school? Do you try to 
find a new passion. Maybe you've done some of that while you've been playing. So I just, I kind of got to the finance industry through some friends and people that I knew. And then, you know, just kind of began learning the industry, finance, investments, insurance, and, and all those things. And, you know, along the way got, you know, got my MBA, gotten some other professional designations. And, you know, now I'm in a place where I'm more of a consultant and thought leader as far as, you know, the industry that, you know, my firm is in. Uh, and we're, you know, kind of in the marketing and consulting side of financial services. You know, so we don't work directly with the consumer, but we work with financial advisors and other financial institutions. So they lean heavily on us for not just product choices, but, you know, other marketing and business development, you know, strategies and tactics and, and things like that. So I, that part I love, especially, you know, you know, getting my, you know, having, you know, my master's in, in business and then, you know, understanding how the, the side of the, the industry works. This part is exciting to me to be in it kind of every day because it's, it's constantly changing rules, regulation, you know, legislation, you know, all that stuff is impacting, you know, finance and investments on a daily basis. So it's never boring. I will say that it's, and things seem to be constantly changing. Oh, I'm sure. That's fun. You know, so I found something that's, you know, fun, it's challenging mentally. And, you know, I like that a lot. When um, your coworkers or new friends find out that you were part of the NFL, are they always like, oh, whoa, like what's the <laughs> common rate? What's the common reaction? Usually their eyes get bigger, like, really? So like some of the people that are like my age, like, I mean, they know who I am. And, right. You know, so that's one thing. But especially in like a, a corporate environment, we've got, you know, we're still a small business, but you know, we've got 220-ish employees. So you've got, you know, good amount of folks who, you know, probably are my age or saw me play. And then we've got people who are in their 20s who never saw me play. And so, you know, we'll just be talking or somebody will tell him like, yeah, you know, he played professional football. They're like, no way. No, you didn't. Not that I look completely different now. I think I'm still in pretty good shape. But they're like, really? Like, yeah. Played. I guess. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and, they, and then they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was fun. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and actually something made me feel kind of old. Um, there was a guy that I work with and he's in his mid, late 20s, but he actually has my autograph. I guess he, him and his sister came with their parents down to Spartanburg to Wofford College during training camp. And after one of our practices, I was signing autographs and he said I was the only player that signed him and his sister's hat or program or something like that. So they've always had my autograph. 
That's awesome. That's yeah. like a, a full circle <laughs> moment for him, huh? That was kind of neat. That's Made me awesome. feel a little old. I was like, man, how old are you again? Yeah, I was like, good night, man. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you have a good opinion of me. Yeah, that's why you. I guess you just throughout life, you never know who might circle back around. You know. Yep. What else was I going to ask you before I wrapped it up? Um, well, I guess, I mean, do you have any like lasting injuries that you care to share? You know, I've had one guy tell me, I just, there's no specific thing, but I just kind of always ache. Do you? That- <laughs> you know, I've, I've got a number of orthopedic issues, um, which over the years, I've actually, some of them have actually gotten better. So, you know, I had a really bad uh, knee injury on my right knee. That knee's actually doing really, really well. So I just, I I work out, I lift completely different than I did way back then in my 20s. I mean, I don't put anything, no squats or anything. I don't put anything on my back. because I've got bulging disc and bad neck and bad back. Um, so, you know, I've got to be very careful about how I lift and what I do. Like even right now, I've got some, I always had problems with stingers. So I do have like some nerve damage down the left side of my, my arm, um, which every now and then that nerve gets pinched. It'll, it'll just, you know, create a stinging feeling. And then I, you know, start to lose um, like muscle tone and things like that. So then I've got to, that's that's a whole nother <laughs> issue. Um, but uh, one thing I do like to do is I like to play. So my kids have always all played soccer. So I actually play in, in an adult soccer league here in Charlotte. So I love doing that. So mm-hmm. I, I stay in shape. I run, run a lot, um, lift weights, just, you know, try to stay in shape. But I love playing soccer now. So that's. That's very what cool. I do with, <laughs> with my time, so you can you can catch me Sunday nights um, through the uh, Charlotte Independence North Mac uh, Adult League. You know, playing adult league soccer. Real quick, um, I know this might be random. Not that I haven't kind of been random already, but okay. So I've gone through periods of my life where I run and then I don't, and I run and then I don't. But I have never experienced a runner's high. Have you? Do you know what that is? So I, 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 yes. Okay. So I'm, I'm not really a distance person. I like interval training mm-hmm. more than anything. So like when I run, I like doing like, I'll, I like doing like a quarter mile rest, half mile rest. Like I'll do like a ladder, okay. but I don't really like running longer than like a mile, okay. but I have done a half marathon before for me. I hit the I hit a runner's high right around mile two, kind of through mile four and a half. If I'm running, running, and that's when I'm like really like in the zone, and it's actually when I'm like at my fastest typically. And then once I get right around like seven miles, then I start to slow down. So. For me, it's like I kind of warm up till about mile two, and then my speed tends to pick up, and it, it is that that runner's high. Like you're you're in the, you know, 
playing football and playing sports, it's like being in the zone. Like you're, everything is just kind of natural, you know, music's going, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever's going on. And your, your, your body just has this kind of natural energy to it. And then, you know, then it kind of start, you know, it'll, it'll start to fade. And I think a lot of that is just based on your, your own conditioning. But for me, it's like mile two to four and a half is when I'm really feeling it. And then kind of from four and a half to seven kind of drops off, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of plateaued. Mm-hmm. And once I get over seven miles, I'm just struggling to, to find the finish line. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Cause I've asked a couple people that and they're like, what? I'm like, no, I keep hearing about this runner's high. So cool. Some people live and die by it. It's like they, they get on the treadmill or they hit the pavement and they run to feel that. Interesting. Oh yeah. Interesting. I don't really get it. I, I like interval training, even like short, like sprint training. I still like doing stuff like that. I, I'd rather do that. I think it burns more calories anyway than just running, running, running. No, I understand. Okay, two more random things. So I am, I don't know, clairvoyant, whatever. I don't know how to label it. I'm still discovering what it is. But the last like 20 minutes I've been talking to you, I see bubblicious gum. Bubblelicious gum. Is that like? I haven't had bubblelicious in years. Well, did that used to be a ritual, or did someone used to give that to you as a treat or something? I mean, I loved it when I was a kid. Oh yeah, maybe that's. We we collected baseball cards. I mean, you collect baseball cards and gum. Well, then maybe that's it. Okay. (laughs) Yay! Okay, it checks out to an extent. Cool. Final, final question. I always end on something funky. Oh, okay. So I'm. Um, fascinated by the unexplained. So I was wondering if you've ever seen a ghost or like something abnormal that you can share. Um, I, I could share something. It'd take another hour. It, there's, a, there's a whole really? explanation to it. Really? Oh, yeah. So I won't go into I won't go into that one, but I will say yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I, obviously consider myself a Christian, a believer, but there, there are some, there are, I have, there are some things I have seen that. You can't explain. Oh yeah. I I can explain them. Whether you believe me or not is. That's fair. fair. Up to you. It's, oh yeah. And honestly, same, (laughs) same kind of vibe with myself or just even trying to explain to people that like, I see images randomly, you know, but all right, Colin, that's it. What'd you think? No, this was uh, this was fantastic. I appreciate you having me on. Yes, thank you so much for joining and you know sharing. I appreciate you sharing all your experiences. And like I said, such an honor anytime I talk to a Panther player. So very cool. I appreciate it. Thanks. And you know, certainly do it anytime. Awesome sauce. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.